Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we, we're challenged every time we come into a new lesson. It's like, uh-oh, <laughs> getting ready for these. You know, I'm so thankful that uh, uh, for the challenges, at least for me, for studying these things and realizing, wow, where would we be without all this? And uh, so let's turn to First uh, Thessalonians chapter two. We're going to be reviewing the first sixteen verses of this, and uh, we're going to take a look at. Uh, well, in fact, if you'll turn to verse 11 and 12 those are our key verses for this lesson it says as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his child that ye would walk worthy of God who would who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory let's pray father we thank you again for the challenge from your word Thank you for the music this morning and how it was a, a, a perfect challenge for us to get our hearts ready for these lessons. Father, I pray that, uh, that you would be glorified through these. We do thank you, Father, that we can trust in you, that your word is true. We can thank you. We do thank you for the salvation that each one of us has professed to have, and that we can walk holding your hand, knowing that we'll not fall. And if we should stumble, you do pick us up, dust us off, and reassure us that we are on the right path. And as this, these lessons deal around focusing on the course that we're on, Father, I know as we walk this earth, we have a race before us. We have a, we have a path laid out that we need to be focused on. And as the title of this lesson is, is to stay between the lines. And Father, I thank you that you do keep us focused. You keep us between the lines. You give us safety as we go forward through this world. And when we're challenged, you help us overcome those obstacles. And Father, we thank you for those blessings. We thank you for the promises that you give us each and every day through your word. And we thank you, Father, again for this time and each one that's here. Ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So as, uh, the, the title of, the, of, the, of this lesson is Staying Between the Lines. And there's all sorts of things that you could think about. You know, it's like, you know, always color between the lines. You know, how many of you endeavored to do that growing up? And it's always fun to watch little ones when you give them a, a, a crayon and, and, a, and a coloring and you're watching them and they just all over that page get the color that they want. And they'll grab another color and they'll bring it in there. And it's like, wow, did I do that when I was growing up? <laughs> and they look at it and you just, you know, if you're, if you're a good parent, you go, wow, that's beautiful. That's great. And as they grow up, watching, the, watching them get more and more meticulous. You know, I love to watch uh, the young children as they're drawing because they're very meticulous in how, they, how they're presented. In fact, didn't Phoebe get a an award for one of her drawings of recent? Yeah, she did a, I guess, a contest. Uh, it was coloring on a simple page. She won a bicycle for it. Wow. So it pays to, 
be interpreting and 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 when you talk with people about about things like that you know the interpretation in fact she I think she had to do a drawing here not too long ago where it was kind of a Picasso kind of drawing I don't, I don't remember what you exact call it but it you know and she had a nice interpretation she again she got an, uh, an award for that and it's exciting you know and, and Daniel and, and Nathan and Julia and all of them when they present them you know I just love to get drawings done by children you know when we get them from our grandchildren although most of them are grown now and they don't send drawings anymore but you know it's, it's wonderful and so staying between the lines you think of coloring then of course you know you think of uh, on the road you know they, they paint stripes down the road can you imagine what it would be like if those lines weren't there of course most people go well you know I don't want to venture over there you know, I want to drive wherever I want to drive, right? You know, there, there's a reason for that. The laws of physics play into that very much so. Uh, the other is is thinking of paths when you're walking, and you know, uh, staying on the path. In fact, when you go out hiking in in a lot of the the trails around here, they tell you to stay on the path. You know, one for safety, the other for environmental concerns. Uh, and but you know safety is the biggest one you know for animals and for um, <clears throat> falling down uh, if, if you're up in the higher mountains or getting into uh, um, hmm, the brush and and being allergic to some of the plants that are out there I know with me I'm growing up I was very allergic to poison oak and every time I went deer hunting the doctor knew he would have a prescription waiting for me when I come to the that office the following morning all puffed up and red and he gave me my little prescription to help take care of the poison oak that I had got while I was out deer hunting. So I, you know, no matter how much I tried, I you know, couldn't stay out of it for some reason or other. So when we think about things like this, why is it important to, to stay focused or stay between the lines that God has established for us. And, and that's kind of what we're going to be looking at with, with this lesson. You know, it's, and staying between those lines, oftentimes it's really our testimony. Uh, you know, it, it's, we think that our, you know, we had Brother Chris here not too long ago give his testimony, and I think each, most, each one of us has given our testimonies. But it tells everybody else where you were and where you are and that path that went from there we were like that little kid before we were saved we were doing whatever we wanted to do we colored where we wanted to color we did what we personally wanted to do oftentimes we didn't care what other people thought then when we get saved we think about how important it is what's my testimony before people can the way I approach somebody and be able to witness to them, my mannerisms, will that help let them understand the importance of salvation and come to know the Lord? Granted, we're not going to do the saving, but oftentimes we're the one that can lead them in that direction. You know, I, I, I chuckle. Some of our missionaries mentioned that, you know, when, when people ask, well, how many people have you led to the Lord? And he said, Thousands, I've, I've led thousands to the Lord. He says, I've never saved any one of them. The Lord does that saving. He says, every time I give a tract out, I'm, I'm leading somebody. So 
or when we mention to somebody, we're leading somebody there. And by our actions, you know, we either bring somebody to the Lord, then let the Lord do the saving, or we'll drive them away. So our testimony does a couple of things, and it's important. And I'm sure each one of us, as we were either before we got saved or shortly after, we probably run into people that didn't live up to that testimony. Maybe they said one thing and did another. And it's, it's, it's very important. So our, our character is, is very important. Our, the way we conduct ourselves. Brother Chris mentioned about how people, you know, well, can kind of beat you into submission to hearing the gospel. <laughs> that's not really the way you want to do it. But there are people, that's their approach. And they feel that that's how they have to get the gospel out. I've been under preaching of some uh, pastors that you, that you wanted to run out the door the minute he started preaching because you knew all he was going to do was just rail on you and tell you how much of a reprobate this whole group was and on and on and on. I wondered why he even had people in his congregation. But yet they knew that he was doing that to bring them up, bring them closer to the Lord. I felt it was very offensive. I'm sure that I could understand maybe his, his uh, reasoning behind that. And some people I've, I've met like that, they only do that when they need to. It's like an evangelist when he comes into town. What's he do? He's like the Lone Ranger. Comes in, takes care of the issue, and then leaves town. But he leaves you with the thought of, okay, what do I need to do to make my life a little bit better? How is my character? What's my conduct? Am I better today than I was yesterday as far as my standing with the Lord? So it's, it's very important when we think about that. And the Apostle Paul, when we look at in, in the beginning of, of, uh, of chapter 2, the, the first couple of verses, For ourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that, ye, we have suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, in, at Philippi. We were bold in our God, uh, in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God, which... Uh, with much contention the apostle Paul in, in as he was talking about this was looking that his as uh, a confirmation of his ministry last week uh, brother Chris presented about the the Thessalonians and them being an example and the apostle Paul was encouraging them but this ministry that the the, the apostle Paul and Silas had established it was was not a failure some people wanted to make it a failure. I mean, in Philippi, they beat him, threw him in stocks, but when he left, he, he left with the graces of those that he was uh, leading, to, uh, had, had led to the Lord. And the people there worked with him. Now, those that didn't want to hear the gospel made sure, made, made it known. And then when he went to Thessalonica, he... He spent those three Sabbaths in, in the church or in the synagogue, and he had people that did not want to hear that gospel. They did not want to change their mind. But they knew that, hey, this guy's teaching what he was teaching over in Philippi and what, he's, what I've been hearing he's been teaching. He hasn't changed his message. He's teaching the same thing. 
And so, you know, they knew that the message that they were bringing was the right message. But it offended most of the people that were, were there in, in the towns that they met, those that didn't want to change. It's very much like what we're seeing today. People don't want to hear the message. They're offended if you have an opinion that's different than them, and they don't want to hear it. So if somebody goes, well, you know, I don't believe that Bible thing, you know, all this God stuff, it's, I just don't want to hear it. You're not going to tell me about it. I'm, you know, la, 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 plug their ears up and make noise all the while you're presenting the gospel to them. Well, you just kind of say, well, Lord, I guess they don't want to hear, and I, I guess you'll take care of them in that. But our internals say, want us to reach up and grab the person by the throat, shake them and say, listen, but we know that we can't really be doing that or we shouldn't be doing that you know, put your hands in your pocket and be very careful and grit your teeth when you're talking with them but you love them and it's very hard when somebody's very belligerent to you to love them and know that the Lord loves them even more than we do we have to love them through the Lord you know so it and the Thessalonians knew this lesson or this the the what the apostle Paul and Silas were bringing was the truth you know they had suffered in Philippi and a few days later sure enough they're going to be buffeted again and and harassed and, and, and by by the people there but they knew that they needed to preach this this lesson and they needed to be bold and every time that they were uh were beat or were um challenged for their word they got bolder and they they said this is important i guess if satan is trying to fight against this then we have the right message you know so paul knew and he was assuring the thessalonians that that he he was not an imposter when he came because there were people out there were saying you know this paul guy you, you know you know he used to be a pharisee well he still was a pharisee he said well, yeah but he used to preach against this kind of stuff and so, you know, I, I think this guy's an imposter. You know, he's not the guy that he says he is. He's out for, you know, to make himself better, to make himself money. You know, a lot of times they pointed that out. But, you know, as, as he was going through, it, the message was not for him or about him, but about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was for, for Christ's sake. You know, he... Each one of the, the places that he went, uh, Matthew Henry wrote, uh, made, a, made a note of this, that it, you know, he, says, uh, he could say to those Thessalonians what he told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, 2. He says, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, honesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. When he went in there, people wanted to, that were against him wanted to do everything they could to make him out to be a liar. They tried their best. They tried, well, they, they laid uh, traps for him. Uh, they, uh, they, they pulled Jason out of his house trying to find the Apostle Paul and said, you know, you're consorting with this guy and we want you to assure that you're not going to be teaching this kind of stuff anymore. And really, you know, making him um, uh, to be the bad person when in reality they were. 
that they were the ones that were causing all the problems, the Apostle Paul was just presenting what God laid on his heart. You know, he was not sinister or worldly in how he presented his preaching. He just was, in fact, when we, when we read through uh, Acts 13 of possibly what he was presenting and how he presented, he was taking the Jewish history and showing them where the law would not save them. And, he, and city after city after city they went through, you know, he, it, it gave him courage and resolution every time he went through. You know, it's just where it says in verse 2, we were bold in our God to speak to you under the gospel of God. He said he was inspired with a boldness and was not discouraged. You know, as we read through the lessons in Acts, you know, describing the things that happened to the Apostle Paul, a lot of us probably might be discouraged. Can you imagine every time you turned around, the minute you preached, you got beat up? Or, or uh, you know, as you, as you were endeavoring to, uh, uh, to, well, you wanted to see Caesar and you, you're shipwrecked? You know, how many, how many things did he lay out and say, well, you know, these things happened to me? How many times was he, was he beaten with whips? You know, on and on. He, you'd think he was, would be very discouraged by it. But he knew good and well that this was only a short life on this earth. He was going to go into eternity and be with the Lord and then be there. He noted, you know, the, 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 that poor treatment that he got uh, you know, uh, and, and Philippi and Thessalonica. He also alluded to others that he had. He says, you know, it emboldened them. I think when in Acts were, were uh, Peter, you know, they said, you know, they were told by the, uh, the uh, priests that you aren't, you aren't supposed to preach this stuff. You can't do that. You're not supposed to. And they said, you know, they, they're there to obey God rather than man. And that's for each one of us. We need to follow what God has laid out for us. Follow him rather than man. Brother Brian presented that uh, a bit of a civics lesson that we have in the past on, on what laws are we to obey as good citizens. Every law until it transgresses God's laws. That's important. And then when it does transgress and we're thrown in, in, in jail for it, and people will say, well, you know, you need to not do that. And he goes, well, I need to preach the gospel. I need to teach them. And you can show them where, where we're to do that. And oftentimes, we know, well, if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, people being burnt at the stake or being sawn asunder or drawn and quartered for preaching the gospel, something that the world doesn't want to hear. You know, I'm thankful that they don't do that as much anymore, at least in the United States. Although, I'm sure if you were in a crowd today, they might do that. They might draw on you. You know, suffering is a good cause, uh, and it actually tends to sharpen us a little bit. It gives us more resolve. I'm just thankful that, for the most part, we really don't face persecution like they do in other parts of the world or like they used to do years ago you know you think in the colonies you start you read some of the the uh, early works of, of some of the preachers in the United States when they were in the colonies and if you didn't if you were preaching something different than what was in that town you were thrown in jail John Bunyan how many times was he thrown in jail 
or others, you know, for, for preaching the word of God. But, oh, I don't understand it that way, or I don't believe it that way. I believe it this way, and, and you're teaching blasphemy as far as they're concerned. If you, didn't, if you weren't part of their group, you had to pay a tax to go in there and preach. And that didn't guarantee that you weren't going to be stuck in the stocks. So it's important for us to realize that, that the gospel of Christ, as it first set out into the, into the world, was opposition. The Jews didn't like it because, wait a minute, we've been doing all this stuff, and yet this guy says he died on the cross for us, and that we don't have to do the law anymore, we don't have to do, do, do. It's already been done. Well, that's what it was. It was done. So Paul, as he was going through there, he could really, like in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know, he knew the message that he had was from the Holy Spirit. He knew that he was being taken care of by him. And we think of all of those events that happened to him as, through all his missionary journeys. How many times did he just come out unscathed and yet he didn't complain to God about anything? He knew what he was to be doing. He knew that the, the road that he was on was the one that he was supposed to be. He knew that on, on the road to Damascus that God had given him those lines to stay within. Don't venture out of it. Don't give us your extracurricular things. No, just teach what I told you. And, and that's what he was going through. You know, and, and as, he, as he was going through this, you know, every town that he went to, he was presenting that. And when he first started out, what was happening to most of the people? Wait a minute, that's that guy that was persecuting the Christians. Do we need, are we supposed to listen to him? And a few people that were led of the Lord the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and says, no, trust this man. Trust what he's teaching. He's not that evil person that was before. He is different. The perfect example of what salvation can do to the most vile person. You know, I, I, it, it wonders me how gracious our God is when he could save, you know, a mass murderer, for instance. Or any number of heinous things that people done. When they come to there, the Lord just says... It's forgiven when they come to know him as Savior. When we get to heaven, you know, I often wonder, okay, how amazed am I going to be? Well, first off, I'm going to be amazed that, of, of the beauty that's around, but of the people that will be there and the people that won't be there. There are a lot of people that talked a good story, but that's all they did. They're now down if they're dead, they're in hell. They're suffering what they taught. There are a lot of men, a lot of people that have taught things contrary to the scriptures. They were liars. You know, I think of, of like the Jim Joneses that convinced, how many people was it? 400 and some people to, to drink cyanide tainted Juice, and they died a mass death. Satan is very, very convincing. And sadly, he can convince just about anybody if we don't keep our guard up. But the Apostle Paul, as he was going through there, he wanted to show that they weren't imposters. They were not there to, to get anything 
special of themselves. You know, they, 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 uh, they were not influenced by a hope of ease or selfish gain. Uh, they, were, they were very sincere in their purpose. Others were coming around that weren't sincere. He was actually being challenged by other imposters. And, and I, I think if somebody were probably do a, 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 a history study of the other letters that were floating around, other than his, that were never um, classified as part of the canon of the Bible. You know, they might have had some uh, uh, interesting studies. And maybe it was a sermon by somebody. But, you know, his letters were out there, and he felt that those letters were important. That's why he wrote them to each of those churches that he went to. But there were others out there that were trying to paint him as, as a complete imposter. He was out there to make his money. Well, I think if people were to look carefully, the Apostle Paul might have been a very rich man when he started out. He definitely wasn't when he, when he made that final journey into Rome. He had to be use his tent-making skills to make him go th get through many of the things. So, you know, they were, they were such that he wasn't going to be deterred by the treatment. He wasn't going to be uh, led about and, and, and not trust the Lord. He was going to, to stay focused on what he needed to do. The people that he met along the way, that took care of him, they were definitely blessed. They were challenged. They were, they were um, probably wondering, what did I sign up for here? And I'm sure the Apostle Paul might have said the same thing, but yet it wasn't long for him to realize that, no, this is the better path for you, Paul. You know, the triumph of the gospel uh, was, was secured by the, the highest of security, the Holy Spirit. We realize that, you know, no matter how tough it seems, how much of an obstacle we can run into when we're presenting the gospel, you know, and, and again, we look at our times here where government is trying to shut down churches but allowing other businesses to flourish some people um, well the church in northern california their uh, brother brian talked a little bit about it you know fifty thousand dollar fines i haven't heard much else with it but i'm curious to see what's going to happen as a result of that and and seeing what kind of challenges are we going to face you know, somebody comes through the door here and says, oh, you guys can't meet anymore. You know, what do we do? Well, go to pastor's house or go over to Charlie Lynn's. <laughs> or do we just tell them, oh, wait a minute, this is a peaceful protest. You know, you're allowing those. Exactly. You know? We're, we're not protesting anything. We're just proclaiming. We're proclaiming what God has called us to do. And, and if, like the Apostle Paul and the other uh, apostles, they trusted the, that the Lord was going to take care of them. Now, he didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say it was going to be, you know, a walk in the park, you know. And, and, but he wants us to stay focused. That's what he's looking for. He, he wants us to, to know that as we go through our daily routine, 
and we don't put up well some people put the Bible away Sunday evening and go through the week and do what they want to do but somebody that's living for the Lord and doing what the Lord has called us to do this Bible's there every day of the week it, it's, it's the nourishment that we have that, that we need to continue to maintain and so we know that the the confirmation that their ministry was vital and it was it was not an uh, a fake ministry the apostle paul was there to make sure that the truth went forth and when we think of that the here we go their motives were pure and as, as we look, look through there, the character of that ministry, we think of each one of us as we go through our daily walk, what kind of a character, some of us are characters, all right, but <laughs> what kind of a character do we have? You know, you, you think of, well, I'm thankful that everybody in this room, when I meet them during the week, they're just like they are today. Uh, you know, they might not have a tie on or, you know, might not be, have their nicest attire on. We see them during the week. But that person that's there, you know they're the same every day. Because each one of us trusts what the Lord has for us. That's, you know, with this group. And many other Christians that we know that live a life that's, that's honoring for them. And... The, the motives so verse 3 for instance for our exhortation was not of deceit nor uncleanliness nor in guile but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel even so we speak not as pleasing men but God which trieth our hearts so when they when we and the missionaries they trusted God as they appealed to the Thessalonians the same as with us when we go out and knock on a door hand a tract to somebody present lessons just have fellowship together you know we know that the gospel we're, we're talking about is honest and that's what the apostle Paul was presenting an honest gospel now the world doesn't think that they want to they show, well, that's just a crutch. That's, that's just, you know, that's fooey. You don't, you know, it's not possible because they don't have anyone to trust in but themselves. And we know what happens when we trust ourselves. I stumble and fall all the time. I, and, and, and it's amazing that God has put up with me for all of these years. And I'm so thankful that over 40 years ago when I accepted Christ as my Savior. It took a major incident in order to get my attention. Some of us, we just heard the gospel and we understood what we needed to do. Others took a little bit more. Some of us are hard-headed more than others. Sometimes, you know, just going through, you know, Brother Chris, when he talked about his testimony, he grew up in a Christian home. But it wasn't until what you were... 21, you know, to realize that, yeah, I've, I've been living this life, but I didn't know Christ. 
And I'm sure each one of us can probably look at our lives and think the same way. Where was I? How did I grow up? What did I grow up with? You know, the, what was the motives of that person that was telling us about the Lord? You know, I, I don't think any of us were, what was it, years ago, uh, it was an aborigine and a Coke bottle fell out of the sky and hit him in the head. You know, and they made a movie about this thing, about, you know, the gods must be angry or something like that. I don't know. But, it, you know, they focused on this one thing that fell out of heaven from somewhere. And, you know, did I just get hit in the head with, with the Bible and, you know, I got saved? Well, I don't know. God saves us in a whole variety of different ways. You know, me, it took a lot of seawater and a potential loss of a submarine to get my attention. It took my wife hearing that and people that were consistent in, in praying and telling her about the gospel, knowing that she needed to be saved. You know, I woke up days after that incident before I got accepted Christ and thought, what would have happened if we'd have been lost? You know, the thing goes through your mind is USS Thresher. You know, at 2,000 feet below the surface. It's now sitting at 12,000 feet. 2,000 feet, it, it crushed like a soda pop can. Everybody, all 130 people on board died. I don't know how many on there knew the Lord is Savior. That was long before I even understood about that. I think back when I was in Vallejo, there was a, a man that was on the USS Halibut, and his name slipped right on my head. I had a chance to meet him years later. But he had such a burden to teach the gospel that the CO turned over the wardroom to him and let him teach the lessons. And eventually he was having lessons in the wardroom and cruise mess. Of course, you know, they weren't very much, they weren't big. The wardroom was probably from me to Brian Long and about three chairs wide. Cruise mess was about the same size, you know, 130 men used that. Yet, in his time on the USS Halibut, which was a very interesting ship for operations, he had spoke to every person that was on board that ship about the Lord. He was having people put in special requests to make sure that they weren't on watch during his services. And the captain was arranging the watch bill so that his services could be routinely taken. This man had a burden for the Lord. Now I look back at that going, wow, Lord. He goes, oh, no, no, you're doing just what you need to do. You're doing just fine. This person, he just had that. He went on from there. I met him some years later. And I said, I've heard some interesting things about that. He goes, well, don't hear everything you hear. Don't, don't believe everything you hear. And that's how humble this man was. He went on to be a, 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 a missionary. I don't remember what country he ended up at, but a very interesting man to talk with. Just had that burden. The Apostle Paul had that burden for getting that gospel out. He wanted to make sure that the motives, as he was presenting it, that he was not lying as he went through there. He wasn't being deceitful. So we need to think seriously as we go through our week, go through our days. How do we present the gospel? 
do we do it with the right motives or like oh man I'm I'm just I'm gonna start notching my belt making those numbers no that's not what God wants God wants us to be sincere and as we go through and, and follow on a little bit more see what these motives are we can we can see the Apostle Paul and maybe we can emulate a lot of those motives and I know most of us do here let's pray Father again I thank you for the blessings that you give to us Father I thank you for those that you put on our paths that we need to talk to maybe it's just a voice of encouragement maybe it's sharing the gospel for that person to to know where they stand before you Father I thank you that you give us that direction you keep us focused on what we need to do. And I'm thankful, Father, that you forgive us when we do slip, when we do forget, and when we come to you and confess that sin, that we know that we didn't do what we were supposed to do and ask for forgiveness. And you fully restore us back to that. I'm thankful, Father, for that. I'm thankful for just what you do for each and every one of us every day. And Father, we want to glorify you in all that we do. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.